Fantastic. Thank you. It is so encouraging to see videos like that, isn't it? Um, so encouraging just to hear of all the things that God is doing. And as Paul said, you know, we're not, we're not really coming to an end of a hunger season. Uh, we're just going to keep going for it and going for it um, until Christ returns. Um, so, yeah, just really hungry for just seeing more of God doing that. And the other thing that a video like that does is that it shows us that Jesus is still alive. He's still alive. He's still reigning. He's still healing. He's still ruling, restoring, raising, saving, delivering, speaking to people. Jesus Christ is alive. It's so good. Um, and I love baptisms uh, as well. So Paul and Shamim are just so great to know that we've got two people here in Bexhill as well. We've already had some over in Hastings. We'll have two more tonight in 6 o'clock church. Just more and more stories of how Jesus, who is alive, is changing lives, uh, which is just so, so uh, encouraging. So with baptisms, it's another opportunity to remind us of good news, the gospel, which basically means the good news. And it's the good news of Jesus, this Jesus that is alive, that changes everything. And you may be here today and be very familiar with the gospel, this good news. You may have heard it a hundred times, a thousand times. But let me just encourage you, let's not get over familiar with the gospel that we forget how important it is. Uh, Actually, the very reason that we are here is because of what Jesus did on the cross. So we don't want to get complacent about that. But maybe you're here, and this might even be the first time you've heard about it. Maybe you've come to church settings before, but you've never really identified yourself as a Christian or as a Jesus follower. I hope today will be an opportunity for you to hear a bit more about this good news and maybe even uh, come to a realization that you need Jesus yourself. Um, I, my, my preparation this week has actually been quite odd, to be honest. I've got to be honest, it's different to, from me normally. Normally, I've got a pretty good idea on what I'm doing, and I'm sometimes a little bit late, late minute. Today, I didn't even decide the passage I was speaking on until 8 o'clock this morning, which is completely not like me. And it's not that I haven't spent time doing it. I spent like most of my time yesterday. I spent nearly a whole day in Ashburnham. But I just felt like it just didn't really come together. But I just feel that I've got something. I've just got literally two lines, just one verse that I want to take us through today, which will show you that actually this good news that we're going to talk about is actually good news for you. Not just for the person sitting next to you, not just for the person behind you, but actually for you as an individual. And that's going to come from a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn for it. Um, I, I didn't have time to do a PowerPoint, so it's not going to come up there. But it's literally just 21 words, I think it is. I'll read it out a few times, and then we'll literally break it down and just go through just a little bit at a time. So it says this in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he or she is a new creation. All right, let me say it again. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All right? This is, what, this is basically what the crux of good news is. It's actually because of Jesus Christ, there is something of our old life, the life that couldn't satisfy, can be gone, and we can walk into newness, into new life, which can satisfy. The old has passed away. The behold, the new has come. It's all about Jesus. And what I want to do today, as I said, is just go through in a bit of detail through some of the words in this passage to help us uh, kind of reflect on those things. And the first word I actually want to draw our attention to is the word anyone. Anyone. All right? Because I I feel that sometimes we can take a word as simple as anyone and make it really, really complicated. So I just wanted, before we start going through the rest of the passage, I just want to explain to you what anyone means. Anyone 
means anyone. It's literally, that's what it means. All right? So you could even go back into the Greek word and say, oh, Jesus. Literally, what Paul meant, what God meant when he put this in the scripture is that anyone could come to know him. Not, not just the person next to you. Because I think we live in a society, we live in an age where we can sometimes feel it's, oh, it's, this is for everyone but me. This, this is relevant to everyone's situation, but not mine. Every, everybody, we're going to take, every, maybe you've even heard things in your life where it's like, we're all going, but you're staying. And almost maybe that's crept into your mentality of, oh, this good news is great for everyone else, but for me it's not. Listen, the Apostle Paul starts by saying, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, which implies that you and the person next to you, all of us have an invitation to come to Jesus. Many of us, um, through maybe guilt, shame, personal experiences, like I said, hear the word anyone and understand it to mean anyone but me. I just want to tell you again, what I say today is for you. It's for you. God knows you. God knows all the situations. He knows all the details. He knows all the things in your heart. And when he wrote this, he wrote it for you. Today you can accept that. And the good news is available for anyone, which means you. This, here's just a few little scriptures that I jotted down earlier on, just which kind of demonstrate, show the kind of love that God has, and that is for you. He says this in John 3.16, which is such a popular verse, one that even if you don't really know church stuff or your Bible, you probably know this one, you would have heard it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, all right, not a select few, but whoever, the anyone would not perish but come to him and have eternal life. 1 Timothy 2 verse 3 says this, It is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people. Now that's interesting. It's not that God just wants a few people. Actually, God's desire, it says here in the Bible, it says God's desire is that all people would be saved. That's, that's what God's heart is. He doesn't want anyone to perish. But he wants all of them to come to a knowledge of the truth. John 6, verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. That's God's promise for you today. If you come to Jesus, his promise is that he will not cast you out if you choose to come to Jesus. God wants the anyone and the everyone. I think that's pretty clear, isn't it? All right? So you turn to the person next to you and say, God wants you. There you go. I, and here's Simon saying, even you. Really helpful. Thank you. Okay. So, therefore, if anyone, which is us, all of us are in this, if anyone is in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Now, maybe you've, you've kind of, this is your first time, maybe you've come along to a few times and you think, man, they talk a lot about Jesus. They seem to think Jesus is a big deal. Well, this passage says, actually, it's only in Christ Jesus that there can be newness of life. And you know, we live in a culture, we live in a society that tells us that actually a better version of me will be the solution to my dissatisfaction. But we live in a culture that says all you need to do is just be a little bit trimmer, lose a few pounds from here, then you'll be happy. Maybe a wealthier version of me, a more attractive version 
of me, a version of me with maybe a better car or a bigger house, a better job, more profile, more followers. The world is chasing after a better me. And our society has been sucked into the lie that satisfaction can in some way be found either in the world or that a better, newer you is just around the corner. So if you, um, if you go into like a bookshop like Waterstone, you'll see now they have huge sections which are all for self-help. This promotion of you can get there if you just try a little bit harder. There's a few titles which just made me giggle. Six-minute abs. Tickled someone. Six-minute abs. Millionaire in a year. Oh, yeah. Find your fortune. The links effect. You, have you seen those kind of those adverts? And all the guy does, he just he goes to his cupboard, he gets out the, uh, the old deodorant, and he goes, and they flock to him. Like, yeah. It's like all you need to do is just have this smell, this scent, this top, this T-shirt, this... Bloody. I've tried it. How about titles like this? We hear this all the time. Because you're worth it. The more fulfilled you. The you you always wanted. How about this? There's loads of books like this. Five keys to a successful you. To a better you. To a happier you. We're sucked in a culture where all the time we are being told all you need to do is better improve yourself and you'll be happy. No longer the, the kind of the best-selling books these days, then they're actually no longer novels or recipe books. They're self-help manuals. Self-help manuals with the same rhetoric that you can achieve the new you. Now, there is a problem with that, and most of us know what that is, which is that it doesn't actually work. So for some of you in here, for many, many, many years, you may have gone around and tried these different things. And the problem is, is once you've lost a few pounds and you see someone else who's just that little bit of thin, you think, oh man, if only I was like them. Now listen, for some of you, you might not even think this way, but you can tell it's in there whenever you look at someone else and just think, man, if only I had that, it would be easier for me. If, if, if only I maybe had that in my life, it would make that so much easier. I'd be so much better off if I could have that. If as a family we could have that, it would just make it so much easier. All of it is part of this mentality in life that if only you could get, 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 you would be fuller, 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 fuller. And actually the promises of the world, they just always come up empty every single time. Every time. But this verse here doesn't say that you'll find fulfillment in the world, that you'll find a new you in the world. The Apostle Paul says that if anyone, which we know means you, is in Christ, then they are a new creation. So, so we're not going to find a new Kevin. We're not going to find a new Jenny. We're not going to find a new Steve. We're not going to find a new you unless we find Jesus. Because actually new creation, new birth, new life is not found in the broken me. Is found in the perfect Jesus, in the fulfillment of him. 
And that's the reason, actually, we're celebrating baptisms. It's, it's because, actually, some dear friends of ours have gone from self-help manuals and trying to achieve things, seriously, something on their own, and actually come to a realization that finding Jesus, who has achieved everything on the cross, is actually the person that they need to put their life in and say, I'm going to be in him. Changes everything. Jesus is the only way to new life. Not science, not politics, praise God. Not religion, oh, praise God. Not relationships, not money, not sex, not power. None of those are going to give you life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it's, and it's like this. I brought some tables with me just to help. It's, it's like when, when you were designed by God, when you were made, you were made to have connection with him. You're actually designed, your actual DNA, you're the very, uh, kind of the very core of who you are in your spirit is to be linked, is to be joined with God, to be in relationship with him. And it's as though you have a plug. And, and, and what the Bible says, it doesn't matter where you go in the world to try and connect into, there is nothing that will be able to fix the connection that you will only get from God. So you could go to relationships and you can try and plug yourself in there, but you find that actually all it does is that it takes life from you and it never actually gives you anything. And you can try and actually be the most successful business person you can be and you can try and do all those things and work really hard, get loads of accolades. You could do all those things, get the biggest CV, and you find that actually you still haven't found, still haven't found what I've been looking for. Sorry, I don't know why that came on my mind. But what you, you find is that there just isn't a socket which I need to get my life plugged into to give me life and to draw into me the things that God has promised me to do. Because I've been in relationship with him. That's what I've been designed to do. Now, what we understand from the Bible when we're talking about Jesus, why we're celebrating Jesus is because Jesus says, I am the door. Actually, Jesus is the only way for us to receive new life. It's Jesus that actually provides the socket, if you like, for you to plug your life into, which gives you access right into that relationship with God that you always needed. So it's like Jesus comes along and he's like, look, listen, here is an open socket that you can plug your life into. And, and no longer is this, this isn't a socket which actually comes up empty. Actually, this is the socket that actually you were designed for, made for. And the reason you feel so unsatisfied with everywhere else you've gone to is because it never quite fits the way that God's print on your life fits. So in Jesus, this is literally what happens. When you invite Jesus into your life, this is what happens. He literally, he... When we're in Christ, it means it's inseparable. The problem with six-minute abs is that it takes me two minutes to put on more than the weight than I lost. It, it doesn't last. Do you know, Jesus is promised for you. I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Is that it's everlasting. Whoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. Life in all its fullness is what is available when you plug your life into Jesus Christ. 
It's not like a self-help manual. It's not like false promises. It's not like false hope. Actually, our hope can rest assured that Jesus has done it all. It's all on him. And you're now like, if you like, it's, it's almost like you're like a page that is in a book. You're actually bound to it. So you're not like a bookmark that can kind of fall out. I haven't forever having things falling out of my Bible. No, no, it's like you're like an actual page which is bound into Jesus. You're in Christ, hidden in him. One part of a greater plan, inseparable, only made sense actually by being part of the pages in front and behind you together telling a story of something bigger than just yourself. That's what's so different about the world's way. The world's way is just make yourself bigger. God's way is actually we make him bigger. We're part of his story. You're, you've been bound, if you're a, a believer, you've been bound into a book, which is Christ. And you will never be taken out of that. And it's this being joined with Christ that brings new life. Access to the life source. Literally a new creation, a whole new you. Do you remember a number, uh, when was it? Was it Christmas time or was it Easter? I can't remember. Maybe Easter when Laurie came up with a phone and she was... She came up and she like saying she'd made a phone call and she put all the information in the phone. But actually, if that phone wasn't plugged into the life source, what would happen? It would just die. You know, even our life, even your life now, the life that you have is but by the grace of God. You need to plug your life into Jesus, who's the wellspring of all life. And then he goes on, he says this. Oh, by the way, just so you know, God's not into patch-up jobs that just came in my head. He's, he's not into patch-up jobs. He doesn't come into your life and just put a bit of plaster here, paint it up and hope that no one realises that actually the, the background stuff, we haven't dealt with it. No, literally, he comes in, he'll knock the house down and he'll rebuild you like a whole new you in the imprint of what he is like. You'll be completely pure, holy, blameless, as though you never sinned. When we're talking about a new creation, what is creation is literally to create from nothing. God has taken the very broken parts of you and he's basically taken it away and he's rebuilt a brand new you if you know Jesus. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So here's, I'm just going to quickly read throughout some kind of promises from the Bible, what it means if you're in Christ. So if you're in Christ, it's significant because it means that everything that was old been passed away and actually there's something new what you do when you invite jesus into your life you bring about a new life there's a new thing that comes for you so here's some of them did you know that in 2 timothy 1 9 it says that in christ jesus you were given grace before the world was even created similarly in ephesians 1 4 in christ jesus you were chosen before god before creation romans 8 in christ jesus you are loved by god with an inseparable love there will be people in here who have experienced love and have come out thinking, man, is that all love is? The world is really good at taking something which is a wonderful characteristic even of God because it says in the Bible that God is love. But what they do when they take God away from it is that they make this watered down, diluted, not actually very God love love at all. Actually what it is is very selfish. Many of us in this room would have been really hurt, actually, by experiences of love. Actually, when you're in Christ, you get to become the recipient of 
God's undiluted, concentrated, full, full measure of love, love and fullness. In Christ Jesus, you've been justified before God, which means that actually before God, you could be have a right standing. It means that all that sin, all of the stuff that we've done wrong in living our own lives for ourselves and being disconnected, separated from God, because that's what we did. We chose, actually, I don't want to be part of a life source. I'm going to do life my own way, and I'm going to buy some self-help magazines. So we disconnected ourselves from God and said, I'm going to go this way. And for some of us, years and years and years, trying it on our own, and actually what we need to do is go back to God and say, God, I'm so sorry that I've tried to do this on my own. I can't do this without you. But in Christ Jesus, you can be justified. You can be made right as though you never even did that. You could be holy and blameless in his sight. In Christ Jesus, you're being sanctified and made holy. Actually, I no longer need to try and strive to try and be the better me. Christ's promise is that he'll come into my heart and he'll help me be a better him. He will come into my life and he will change me to become more and more like him. In Christ Jesus, you have eternal life. In Christ Jesus, the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus, God will supply every need of yours according to the riches of his glory. And in Christ Jesus, you'll be raised from the dead at the coming of the Lord. There's a pretty good list of stuff. This is what happens when you are in Christ. Now, let me tell you, that list of stuff doesn't happen with self-help magazines. There's no dead raised. There's no peace that surpasses understanding. All of that stuff only happens when you're in Christ. Some of us have been trying for a long time to change ourselves, to maybe find yourself. There's a whole thing of like, oh, he just needs to find himself. To complete yourself, to fulfill yourself, to save yourself. God's invitation, the life source's invitation, the life source for every person in every generation is that if anyone is in Christ, they can be completely renewed, changed, restored, comforted, cleansed, adopted, forgiven, loved, truly loved. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Um, On the 27th of July, 2007, I got married. Um, So, yeah, good. I remembered. So I'm I'm about to go into my 13th year of marriage. I've been married 12 years, which I know is a spot on many of you. But when I made promises to Lou, what I was doing is I was, I was, I was recognising that I was going to come into a new way of living and all of the blessings that I would get from that new way of living. I, I knew that I was going to receive blessing, but there's something else. It meant that I couldn't continue living the way that I was when I wasn't married. Do you see that? What, what we're not saying is, oh, wow, new life in Christ doesn't mean I'll just add Christ to my things that I'm doing. <laughs> I've, I've got my self-help magazines and I've got the Bible. It doesn't work like that. What we're saying is actually that all that stuff doesn't add anything. I've got to completely change my thinking. I've got to change my life. I've got to live my life for Jesus. So when I got married, actually, there's lots of things that I benefited of from being married to Lou. She's a great cook. Um, she came with a bit of money, which is brilliant. I didn't. But there's loads of things that when I got married, uh, she took my name. <laughs> um, lucky her. So th- there's loads of things that actually in our exchange, when we got married, there was a real blessing. 
But I didn't say, Lou, I love you so much. I'm so pleased I'm going to be married. But do you mind if I just keep dating a few girls? It, it doesn't happen, does it? Well, sadly, it does. It's like, no, actually, I'm, I'm gonna, what I need to do is deny myself. It says in the Bible, you deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him. In other words, you've got to die to your old ways, your old preferences, that old life. So when I'm talking about this wonderful gift, when I'm talking about this new life and all those blessings, it's incredible. But Jesus says it, it actually costs you something. It actually costs you everything. Because Jesus isn't something, he's not offering to just be an add-on to your life. What he's saying is, you've tried that old life and it doesn't work. But if anyone would, if anyone would come to me, would be in Christ, that'd be like a new creation. It's like a new life. See, there's a cost in following Jesus. It costs you everything, but it's worth it. Um, Jesus, actually, when he was here with Skinner, um, he told loads of stories, and actually a couple of the stories he said looked about this very thing. He talked about a guy who was like a merchant, and uh, he's looking at and he, and he spots, he finds this pearl of great price. And he looks at it and he's like, man, I'd give anything to have that. It was so beautiful. He's like, I, I want that. But he recognized the only way he could get that was if he went home and he basically, he s- it says that he sold everything he had came empty with nothing. He sold everything he had to purchase to get what it was that his heart desired, which is that so beautiful. And then Jesus says another story. He, he talks about a guy who's walking in a field and he stumbles over some treasure in a field and he does the same thing. He, he, he goes home. He, again, he sells everything. He basically counts the cost and he gets rid of all of his stuff so he can get the money to come and he buys the field so he can receive the treasure that's in it. You've got to understand that the gospel, the good news, is really, really good news. It's the only thing that will actually give you life. But the only way you can receive a new life is to be able to say goodbye to the old one. It's to be able to say, I'm going I'm to forfeit my hopes and dreams in this area, or my accolades, or my CV, or my, my wants to do this, this, and this. Actually, I, I need to lay some of that down to just say, actually, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. And later on when we do baptisms, that's going to be one of the things that the guys will even say is, Jesus, you're now Lord of my life. So when they go down in the water, literally, baptized, it just means to emerge to um, emerge in the water with literally like a rich tea biscuit and a cup of tea, right? I'm going to literally dunk them right under and bring them up. And when they go into the ground, it's like they are dying to their old life. They're not becoming a Christian at that moment. They've already done that. This is an outward expression of what God has already been doing in their hearts. My old life is dead with Christ. But when Jesus rose again, when I come out of the water, I'm saying, now he is the Lord of my life. This is a public declaration, but it costs me something. For the, for the early believers, um, they didn't have nice baptistries. Um, often they would have done it in rivers and lakes and stuff. It would have been quite a public thing. Do you know, it would have come at a cost. Because actually there was quite a lot of persecution those days. They, they would have even said, even if it means my life, I'm going to demonstrate to everyone that I'm going to follow him. He's the Lord of my life. It comes at a cost. Let me borrow some from Simon. You're good. Sorry, I shouldn't say you'll do. <laughs> even you. There you go. Scratch that. 
So it's just an illustration that I've I've seen a few times, but I just wonder whether it'd be helpful for you. So what what you'll have to pick it up. So what Simon's got, Jan. So what Simon's got is, I guess, in this bag is the contents of his life. Everything, everything that he holds dear, everything that he loves, his, his ambitions, his plans. This is his whole life. Some of the stuff that he's really worked hard for, some of the things he's really been pursuing. But you know, also, in here, maybe some of his regrets, some of his mistakes. This is everything that makes up Simon that he holds on to, the bits that everyone sees and the bits that no one sees. He holds on to it. This is his life. And what Jesus says, in the same way of the, those parables with the field, Jesus is like this. He's like something which is really valuable like a crystal decanter, which is several generations old. Sentimental value. And, and what Jesus offers is to pass Simon an opportunity to, to take, to receive the new life. But Simon isn't going to be able to catch the new life that Jesus offers unless he's willing to drop his current life to grasp with both hands what God is offering him. So what's Simon going to do? Listen, my question is, what are you going to do? Because you can't have it both ways. You, you can't hold on to your old life, yet take with firm grip what Jesus has paid for and offered to you. If anyone, if anyone, well that anyone is you today, but the last word in that passage, which I want you to hear, is if. And there's a big if. It's not a certainty. God doesn't even make it an assumption that you'll do it. He says, if anyone is in Christ. That means there's an opportunity for you today. Are you going to do it? Maybe you've been here in this season for quite a while and you've thought, maybe I do, maybe I don't. Don't delay. What do you think Simon's going to do? There we go. He used to be a rugby player, which is why I chose him, but I'm going to do a really naff throw. Hey. Thanks, Simon. Right, listen. You can't have it both ways. You've tried the old life. You've tried the self-help mags, and it, it's never actually satisfied you. It never filled the God-shaped hole in your life. There was never really a connection where you could receive life. It just takes, it sucks life away from you. You can't have it both ways. You can't have that and just add Jesus into that. You've got to give up your old life. You've got to say, Jesus, all that I've tried to do, all the good stuff I've done and all the things that I've done wrong, I'm going to choose to lay that down and I'm going to give that to Jesus. Do you know what happens at the cross? Is actually a bit of an exchange takes place. That stuff isn't just forgotten about. God doesn't just wipe it under the carpet. He held that for you on the cross. All of your sin and your mistakes. He died the death that we should have died. The consequences for going our own way. So remember Laurie's illustration with the phone. What happens to the phone if it's never plugged in? It just dies. That's the consequence of just not plugging yourself into God. But it says in the Bible that Jesus was separated from God. His, his relationship with God was broken so that you can have a restored relationship with him. 
He died your death on the cross so that you can be with him. And do you know what? When Jesus picks this up, it means actually he, he helps me with my life. He gives me the Holy Spirit. It means actually I become a better dad. It means I become a better husband. It means that actually in my work, I don't try strive in work to try and make myself better. I try to honor God in my workplace and to give glory to him. This stuff isn't left under the carpet. Jesus dealt with our sin and our mess, but he also empowers us to live a life which gives glory to him. But the question is, if anyone, why don't we just quickly close our eyes. What I want to do today is to give you an opportunity here today. If you know that you're living a life which is void of Jesus, which doesn't have him in the center of everything in your life, today is an opportunity for you to say, I want to say today, Jesus is the Lord of my life. So in a moment, I'm just going to give you a second to think, but really, you don't need to think too hard about it. It's a no-brainer. You're not going to find life in any place of the world, in any relationship or any of those things. What this passage says is that new life, a new you, empowered by the Spirit, is only available through Jesus Christ. So let's just close our eyes. Just bow our heads, and I just want to ask if there's anyone here today who wants to invite Jesus into his life, into their life. I did this over in Hastings. I had three people just straight away put their hand up. Man, I need Jesus in my life. So I'm just going to give a minute. With everyone else's eyes closed, I just want you to just put your hand up and just indicate, actually, I really want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Eyes closed, just put your hand up. Do you want to invite?